listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Save the Marriage podcast. And this episode comes to you in the midst of the COVID pandemic, which means that society is upside down, relationships are upside down, and it also may mean there's an opportunity for change. So first, let me be clear that we're all going through something that none of us had ever imagined. And what this means is that as a group, as a, a worldwide audience, we are in this together. We're in this change. And yet the change affects us individually. That's the odd thing about this kind of crisis. While it is shared by everybody, it's a shared experience. How it affects you and how it feels to you is yours. But understand that there are some changes that may be making a difference all of a sudden for lots of different people. I will tell you at the end of this, I think that we are going to see a lot more marriages end. I think we're definitely going to see an upward trend. But I also think that there is an opportunity for some marriages to mend, that there might be a time for a relationship reset. And the crisis is, is not necessarily the only reason behind it. But what it's done is it's created a new focus for us. The things that were true last month, the things that were true at the end of last year are gone. We're on a whole different level. As I've started looking at lots of uh, my own life, I'm seeing that you know what I just kind of took for granted not long ago is gone now. Just running out to the store to grab something no longer feels like just what you do. Getting on uh, to uh, going to a gym or you know going to the park or taking a walk or going out and doing anything is suddenly a different thing. It was no big deal for my wife and I to go get dinner before. Now, the restaurants are even closed. But before that, it, before they closed, we had to start thinking about those things. And, you know, here we are back with our family all drawn together. I'm not the only family where that's happening to. I'm talking to family after family that's finding this change and realizing that this change is going to be a new norm for us. It's going to be a new norm for the world. And how that settles out, I'm not sure. But I think that there is a possibility for people who are ready for a shift to do that relationship reset. So let me tell you kind of why I think that. There are several different reasons that I think this might be the time to really step up and lean into the relationship. Now, let me first be clear. If both you and your spouse have counted out on this. You know, you're saying, no, we don't want to keep going forward. There's nothing I can say or do that's going to change that. And my guess is that not many people are listening to my podcast if they fall into that category. This is more about the people who, where either both people want to find a way forward or one person wants to find a, forward, a way forward and the other person is not quite sure or even maybe resisting and maybe doesn't see a path forward or at least didn't. And suddenly things are different. So now let's talk about why I think that there's a possibility for the reset now that may not have been possible for other people. And let me tell you with a story. 
Years ago, I'd been working with a couple who uh, really had a lot of good stuff going for them, but they could not get along. No matter what we did, they, they would come back in in very bickering modes, and, and little things would break apart in the relationship. I would think that each session, we had made progress, and then they would go and have some fight over something that seemed insignificant to me, but seemed monumental to them. And by the way... That's often what pulls a marriage apart. The things that feel monumental, but when you step back and look at them, aren't really that big. So that's where they were. They kept coming in. They kept doing better. And then falling apart, coming back in, I'd patch them up, send them on their way. Another fight would undo everything we had done in therapy. So we would spend an hour digging through and getting to a better place and understanding only for that to collapse during the week. Then they canceled a couple of sessions. And about a month later, they finally came back and I said, hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, we're good. And I said, you're good. What does that mean? I mean, are you good like your marriage is fine or are you good like you've given up and this is goodbye? And they said, no, our relationship is great. And I asked what had happened. Well, what had happened is that the husband had gotten a diagnosis of cancer, life-threatening cancer. And as the diagnosis was told to the two of them, they sat there together, they turned to each other and said, we need to be a part of this together. And so as they left, they began to reflect on how all the fights they'd had were over things that now seemed insignificant, that in comparison to what was going on, were suddenly insignificant. Those insignificant things didn't feel insignificant at the time. It took something in comparison to bring it home to them how they were pretty insignificant in the overall thing of life. So the couple reoriented. They did a relationship reset in that moment. Now, that's how this plays into a couple of pieces. One is whenever something like this happens, whether it's a global event or an individual scare, suddenly the patterns are up in the air. The boundaries, the the things that hold a relationship together are suddenly loosened and there's a possibility of change. It happens every time there is a crisis in our life, we suddenly upend what we've been doing and have to find a new normal. In the path of getting to the new normal, there's a possibility of change that wasn't there before. It's kind of like If you've got your habit of the day and you go through your habit every single day and then suddenly something disrupts that, maybe, you know, your kids change school or your job changes or um, where you're living changes, something changes and suddenly you've got to find a new routine. And for that period of time, sometimes you can make some pretty significant changes in your life. I've seen people who have moved and suddenly uh, rework their exercise routine or their work routine or something like that. Lots of ways that when the boundaries are loosened, we can make improvements a lot easier than we did before. Now, conversely, that opportunity can be squandered and we can fall into bad habits too, right? So sometimes uh, we have to be intentional about what we do with those loosened boundaries that are suddenly there. Sometimes things just settle in place and we have to find a moment when we can make a change. As you know, I've been doing jujitsu right now. I'm not going to the gym. Most jujitsu gyms are closed. And for the very simple reason that in jujitsu, you're rolling all over the ground with somebody else 
face to face and close by, there's no way to not risk infection. And so uh, now I'm doing some practice at home and things like that, but I'll keep reflecting on my time at the gym. And I miss that time at the gym. But one of the things I remember to compare this to is how many times I would feel trapped on the bottom. And one of the things I learned from an instructor was to be comfortable in whatever position you were in. He basically helped me understand that there was no superior position. There is just the position you happen to find yourself. There are a number of positions in jiu-jitsu that are based in either being in a more dominant position where you are uh, have your pressure on the other person or a more uh, a less dominant position where they actually have their pressure on you. That doesn't mean there is an advantage to the position. It's just a different position. So there's this one position that's the side mount where somebody is kind of perpendicular to your body chest to chest, they're on top of you pushing down, and if they're holding it right, it is immobilizing because the weight is pressured on your chest and you just can't move. When somebody finally gets you wrapped into a side mount position, there's nowhere to go. If they've done it right, there's no space to wiggle out of. And so one of the things I learned to do when I was in that position was to wait Because here's the thing about being in the side mount position. If the person is defending it correctly, the person on the bottom is defending the attacking position, if they're doing it appropriately, there's nothing for the person to do on top unless they move. So if I'm on the bottom and someone's pinned me down and they're just holding that tight and I'm positioned correctly, my hands are in the right place to defend, I'm not at risk which means I can wait. And what am I waiting for? Space. Just a little space. I don't need a lot of space. I just need enough space to get my arm in a better position, to get my leg in a better position, to somehow leverage. And so all I'm doing is waiting for the person to move to allow me to make a shift. And that's what this is about. Things get frozen in place. You, know, you can feel your life pressing down on you and you can feel trapped on the bottom. And all the struggling you do is only wasting your own energy. But maybe if you hang there long enough and you wait for a, smite, a slight shift, you might find the space to make a change, to move away from that. Well, this is that moment. This pandemic has created space where all the boundaries of how we operated in daily life are now up in the air and they are still filtering down. And that's a moment where you can transform your own life and potentially the life of your relationship to get to that relationship reset. So the second reason is because this pandemic is making people reflect on what's really important in life. This is one of those places where many times marriages fall apart because people forget what matters. They forget about the commitment they made. They forget about the impact the relationship has on other people. They forget about the connection that so matters in a relationship. They forget about the spousal relationship, the being a we, what that does for you and how that equips you for um, so many things in life. And they get distracted. And what distracts us is often the insignificant, but feels important at the moment. Now, suddenly, people are asking the question, what really matters? What matters in life? Where's my meaning? Where's my purpose? What difference does this make? That moment of shift 
has happened many times in our world, often around a world crisis, around a war, around another pandemic, around uh, a depression. There are times when people have realized that they've got to rally and find a deeper place. And I truly believe that there is great potential for us to rediscover what really matters. To be the generation, as we talked about the great generation, to be that next generation that steps up and says, this is what's important. So what is important? The number one thing I think is important is relationships. You can strip everything away. Stock market can crash. You can lose your job. People can get sick. And what really matters is relationships. The connection with other people, of being in relationship with other people, of being supportive of each other, of standing together as family, as friends, as community. So what's coming back into importance is relationships, and part of relationships are based in what we do as individuals and how we bring our character to that, how we bring our own sense of value and purpose and meaning to that. And so what's coming back, I believe, is a renewal in character and value people recognizing that when you strip everything away, when you're forced to be at home, when you're forced to be protective of others and yourself, when you're forced to make some decisions that are tough. And by the way, I think there's more tough coming. When you make those decisions, you have to make them from a place of what matters, of character, of values, of looking for what's meaningful, of what purpose you have here. And that has an impact on your relationship. That has an impact on your marriage. When you start realizing what's really important here. So when that happens, a lot of times the trivial stuff that's held couples back that seems so important and so big at the time suddenly comes into focus again. And you see how important or not important those things are. And you shift to what is important that was in the background all along. You just lost sight of it. I think we're headed to that place. So as people are asking the question, what's important? Suddenly things are more possible. There's more potential for change than there has been. And then there's another factor that I'm hearing a lot about, and that is people who are isolated together. I've heard of couples who were separated who realized that they needed to pull their resources together to take care of the kids, to to take care of the house, to reserve the resources that are suddenly sucked out. There was a similar thing that happened back in 2008 when uh, we went through the Great Recession that a lot of couples realized they could not afford to go their separate ways. So they had a choice. They could either live miserably together or figure out a better way forward. And many people at that point found their better way forward and decided to make their relationship something worthwhile. That's the last time I remember this happening on this level. And I think this is going to be even a greater level because at that point, it was, I can't afford to get out of the house. Now it's, I can't get out of the house either because we can't afford it or because it's unsafe. So we have to rely on this place of safety, of a place of sticking together. So when you're isolated together, you have a chance to connect and to find a way forward and to find some better ways to move through this process. Now, you may not have noticed it yet, but you may be starting to notice the pieces I'm pointing out to you, that the boundaries are loosened, that there's a possibility of change here, that what's 
mattering is coming to the surface again. What's important is resurfacing as the focus point. And that you might be isolated together, either because you hadn't already separated or because you realize the separation is no longer sustainable and you move back in together to isolate together. That's a great opportunity for a relationship reset. I think there are three pieces that you can focus on in that point, and the first one is the most important, and that is what I call trucing. <laughs> let's, let's call a truce. You know, whatever has been happening up until now, whatever disagreements you've had, whatever places that you have not been able to see eye to eye, where you've been on a different page, maybe even a different chapter, it's time to call a truce to it. To say, hey, for the better of our family, for the kids, for our own well-being, for our own way we have to deal with each other in this time, let's call a truce on the conflicts we've had. What often happens when you call a truce on a conflict is you realize that the conflict was less significant than you thought, but at least you give some breathing room. And so part of the trucing is to talk about what needs to happen for you both to be comfortable with where you are. So I would suggest having a conversation and saying, hey, can we call a truce? Let's get through this. Let's band together. Let's do what we can to support each other. Let's move through this process and see where we are. We can always come back and deal with those issues. But for right now, let's just call a truce and move to something better. Because the next step is to agree on sharing and caring. This is a scary time. I'm not talking with anyone who doesn't feel some of the fear. I'm talking with people day after day who are feeling the fear, feeling the effect, and feeling the discomfort and needing a place to connect. So sharing the fears of this time, sharing the concerns of this time with somebody is a connection point. It's an intimacy to be able to say, hey, I'm scared about this. To admit your vulnerability or feelings of vulnerability is to increase the intimacy in the relationship. And then caring for the other person when they're sharing and you're caring and you're, care, you're sharing and they're caring, the connection begins to grow. To say, hey, we got to stick through this together. What do we need to do to get to that place where we can respect each other, where we can uh, work to share and connect with each other and share our concerns together? So sharing and caring is the next piece. And the last part is to say, how can we support our relationship? What can we do to support this? You know, are there maybe things we could do together that are non-conflicting? You know, game days or, or watching TV together or going through a book together or taking walks together or making sure you're doing family meals together. Just finding some place of being supportive of the process. There are going to be many times through this process as this pandemic continues to go where one person or the other is going to have to step up and do what needs to happen. And for the other person to be supportive of that, you know, to be able to admit when you're not uh, at your full strength. I love Brene Brown's idea of the family gap plan, that when both of the couples together can't muster 100 percent that they sit back and ask, okay, what do we need to do to make sure we move this together? So if she comes in the door and says, hey, I'm only at 20%, and her husband can say, hey, I'm at 80%, they've got it covered. If he comes in and says, hey, I'm at 40%, she's like, I've got the 60%, they're covered. But if they come in and they're both at 20%, 
they need to reassess how that day is going to go and how they can protect each other and not fall into conflict together. In that process, they've built a way of supporting each other and supporting the family. So the possibilities here for you to have a relationship reset. Maybe both of you have wanted that and you, you don't know how to get there. You haven't known how to get there. This might be the wake-up call. Maybe one of you has wanted the others not wanting it or not sure about it. This is a wake-up call there too of saying, hey, what matters here? Remember, the patterns are loosened and before they resettle into something new, see if there's a new place for it to be. Remember that everybody is beginning to ask the question, what matters here? What's important? And also remember that many times people are now isolated together, giving a chance for the opportunity of connection, which brings the place to ask for a truce, to share and to care with each other and find your support. If you're kind of lost in that process and you need some guidance and how to actually get to that place, remember the things that have always made a marriage work still are true. That's what I cover in my Save the Marriage system. It gives you a, a roadmap on how to walk through discovering what happened in your relationship and how to get to a better place. The place to start that is savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. I know it's an overwhelming time, but you may realize that you have enough time to step back and figure out how to make this work. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work on a relationship reset to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.